This is Wabi Sabi Podcast, and I'm your host, Adam Yasmin. I feel like I'm posting episodes in an infrequent nature, antithetical to how a podcast should be run, marketed, promoted, expanded. And in turn, I feel like I routinely apologize to you, the listener, really to myself, as I do this, as I perpetuate this process. And so, (laughs) this is the last time I'm apologizing for thinking that I'm not doing better or performing at a reasonable rate with this program. After all, the name is Wabi Sabi. There's a siren. There goes the siren. This is the way the universe is actually operating. So, with that said, I'm looking forward to presenting to you my guest this week, Andrew Dunn, who is a fellow member of the Digital Wellness Collective, is a consummate humane technologist, a writer on Medium and Substack, and a mentor to other technologists. This conversation was recorded back in May of 2021 and is being released in September of 2021. So without further ado, here's Andrew. So this is a really cool opportunity to speak with you because for two reasons. Number one, you're one of the few... um, like fellow men that I met through the, I guess the digital wellness collective, um, which is fascinating to speak about just as a diff, as a, as its own subject. Um, Cause it, it feels like it's kind of like a, you know, in a way it almost feels like a, one of these like justice leagues that's, that's forming, uh, you know, in, in some capacity here in the world at this particular juncture of time and space. And um, when you introduce yourself and one of the recent meetings uh, in the collective, you were speaking about a humane technology curriculum for, (laughs) I think as you worded it like tech bros. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So, and that immediately um, raised my antenna. And so I went to, I think the link that you provided um, which was this really cool and in-depth um, form to fill out to just to chime in about what do you think a humane tech uh, curriculum will look like um, for people? And so, um, yeah, I would just love to to jump off uh, with really just to hear like where you're coming from right now. Because also, to be fair, I mean that convers- I think that conversation or that group conversation happened you know several months ago which in pandemic time several months may as well be like about 10 years 
Um, so where are you at? How are you right now? Yeah, that was March. Totally different season. Yeah. Um, just want to acknowledge you for creating the space for this conversation and others like it and for, for reaching out uh, in response to that post and, and my comments in, in one of the DWC forums. And yeah, acknowledging right now I'm, I'm in Westchester, New York on Lenape Wappinger land. And I am at my parents' house and it's good. I'm, we were thinking about moving. So the house was being cleaned up and I'm going through old report cards and kind of like rediscovering who I was as a child. Mm. There's even a study, there was an NYU study on infants developing language skills. So I have record of some of the first words that I learned to say at one year, two years old. So that's been neat. And yeah, I appreciate you pointing out the, um, the different gender identity makeup of the digital wellness community. I actually hadn't really thought of that. I, I always did feel like there was more of a yin quality to mm -hmm. some of the folks who were thinking about digital wellness. Um, but in, in some ways, I've been out of this industry for a couple of years. It was, it was two summers ago that I put my, the company I was stewarding, Siempo, on pause. We were making a humane interface, trying to reimagine the smartphone to be more intentional and less distracting. And I'm sure I'll get into that, but it was a whole journey. And, um, since then, been working with different organizations here and there, doing some more humane tech coaching, consulting, and, and doing a lot of writing. And so that was the context in which we got connected. I, I actually thought about writing a book on humane technology because I had a few years of experience trying to create it and learned a lot along the way and thought I might have some, some useful pointers for folks. And a big, a big part of that was not just how to do it, like what is humane technology, but like who do we have to be or become? So it's, it's about the, the people creating it. And since we were, since our education system generally didn't really teach us how to be whole people, integrating different perspectives, living in harmony with nature, all the things that we're hearing a lot of calls to do more of, we have to learn it. And, and I haven't really seen many contexts where people can go and learn those more human skills. So I decided to write this blog post to put out the invitation like, hey, does anyone want to get together and learn? or like co-create this curriculum together because i certainly don't have the answers but i feel like i got some clues because i've gone out into the cultural wilderness in different places and met a lot of people and i feel like a bridge in many ways and so i i wanted to see who else was out there and, and got a great response a few dozen people filled out this form to either be students or collaborators or just signal their enthusiasm for this and then I quickly like went back into my turtle shell. I, I was I was in this winter season of slowing down and taking a step back from three decades of of racing and achieving. And writing was one of those things that was helping me integrate the the last few years, the last few decades. So I I was happy with the response. And then I was like, uh, like I, I wanna salvage, I wanna 
make sure I, I still get my rest of winter where I was living in a yurt uh, around Mount Shasta, uh, making fires most nights, wandering around the woods, not really talking to people. So now it's spring and I'm trying to live more with the seasons and spring is definitely more of a budding expansion energy. And I'm coming back online, reaching out to folks like you, seeing where I can be useful. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting conversations happening and I'm excited that I can contribute something to them. Thank you for painting that picture. Um, I think there's a lot to be said. I mean, especially, I mean, beyond just, just talking or reflecting upon like fellow technologists. Um, but to just to be able to apply um, as many, you know, natural ways of living, even in this hyper modernized version of reality we're living in. Um, it's uh, what you parts of what you were describing reminded me of um, reading Cal Newport's book, Digital Minimalism. Where he he really it seems like he really spells out this the case for for reclaiming um, solitude or I guess maybe sort of fighting against the grain of solitude deprivation if if I understood mm -hmm. him correctly and so you describing you know being around Mount Shasta and being in a yurt and lighting fires and walking in the woods and you know those experiences as a antidote if you will to working in tech or to you know as you as you mentioned um i guess running or building this uh, is it a hardware-based company cmpo originally it was hardware then we pivoted to software yeah um, antidote's a great word i it brings up the idea of balance for me which mm. I feel like I got the idea of balance um, a few years ago, but, but this winter was, was a deeper initiation into that. And the slowing down allowed me to see more clearly all the different aspects of my life that were out of balance. And it gave me a space where I could practice bringing that element back into balance. And I think nature is a great teacher for that type of thing. So I'm, I'm trying to to open to those lessons. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's why I'm such a, um, I keep coming back to, to tea as my, as my, as mm -hmm. my uh, uh, immersion, or I'd say wide spectrum immersion uh, into not just slowing down, but, but I want to say the term living naturally, and that sounds like a kind of, it, it kind of makes me feel queasy if I use that kind of terminology, because um, it's not something to be um, wrapped in a, in a, in a bow or, or, or hidden behind some kind of branding or marketing message, uh, or maybe sold as a product or service, but um, 
we seem to, you know, productize or, or SaaS or kind of service, make everything sort of service oriented in a way. And, um, but again, just to, <laughs> just to steer away from that kind of like almost cynicism. Um, it's super humbling. It's super humbling to, to not only slow down, but to make it a habit to slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously there was a reason why pre pandemic, you know, there was a whole, I guess, culture of, you know, going on retreat. I mean, obviously going on holidays if people can afford to go on holidays, but going on retreats, um, going to conferences and expos and uh, salons and sort of immersive weekends and TED talks and all that stuff. And I wonder what that's going to look like in this so-called post-pandemic society. I wonder if there even is going to be a post-pandemic society. Mm-hmm. What are your What are your thoughts on that? If you have any. Mm. Well, first a note or a response to the the comments about slowing down. That's another thing that yeah, I get it. Like I've been getting it for a few years, but just something about being in a container where I could practice slowing down even more because even though I was in the middle of the woods like far from internet and stuff I would still find ways to busy myself and whether I was reading or writing or podcasts or even just just hanging out in my head and there were some experiences I had where I could really feel how rushing not slowing down was preventing me from being sensitive to life around me, whether that was natural life or or human life, and increase the potential that I could cause harm. So just want to really highlight, and I didn't think I'd be talking about this on, on this show today, but just highlight the the depth of learning that's possible when it's more embodied in person, in nature. And so I'm, I'm seeking out those educational experiences for myself as I have plenty of things I want to learn. I have plenty of questions I'm asking. And I'm also starting to create experiences for other people who, who want to go on a learning journey or take a break and recharge and really integrate what they learn in those spaces back into their Monday at, at work desk. And I wasn't sure how this was going to tie into the post-COVID question, but it just tied in for me, which was that I think a lot of us learned a lot of things over the course of COVID, the extent to which we realized that might vary and the extent to which we're able to take what we learned and bring it into our post-COVID lives will also vary. And I'm not sure most people will, will do that because I don't think we really have a strong culture of integration which is prefaced on a culture of reflection and a culture of accountability and support systems. And so there's, there's actually a lot of people who draw the parallel between 
a like a initiatory or peak experience or psychedelic experience and what COVID has been for us individually and collectively. It's been the ceremonial experience and we're still in it. And and for both, I think there's this this big challenge of how how do we take what we've learned and and bring it into our lives. And I think that's one of the things that I really wrestled with with Siampo. I was buying up all the rhetoric around the attention economy and time well spent and how, yeah, like we, we don't want more Facebooks. Um, we need to create in a different way from a different level of consciousness or whatever. And, and I got that. And so I spent a ton of money and time on all these self-work experiences. And, you know, it's impossible to say it's possible to assign a value to them right now. Like they were good or bad, you know, worth it or not, because I think it's, it's constantly revealed over time and it's impossible to track all the nth degree order consequences of those actions in this moment. I feel really good about them and I didn't succeed at the startup thing. Although like what is success? So that's all to say that, Education, educating technologists, educating growy technologists matters to me because I am that. Uh, I, I just published a blog post today, actually, Autobiography of a Silicon Valley Savior, which really goes into the details of how I came into a place of doing the Silicon Valley save the world uh, shenanigans. And a lot of it, I think, goes back to some of the the ways I was conditioned as a man in America and chasing old ideas of success. And I, I really worry because entrepreneurship is seen as this hot new career path, ticket to social mobility, the new rock star thing, whether it's crypto speculative investing or it's social entrepreneurship or it's uh, Instagram influence or it's starting a new land-based eco village. Like there's just all these ways in which I see a lot of people coming into power really quickly and not necessarily having the awarenesses or the, the hard-earned wisdom to, to bring those creations into the world in a harmonious way that minimizes suffering and is inclusive and transparent and ethical and all the things. But I think, it, I think that stuff is important to, to think about. So I can think about it all day long. I'm, and I guess that's just what I'm doing right now. I'm thinking about it. I'm writing about it. I'm talking about it. I'm helping other people who have decided that they want that for their organization, whether it's idea stage or, you know, off to the races. I don't think it's ever too late to like actually look in the mirror and evaluate all one's relations with the web of life. And I think it's such an epic healing, learning experience for, for those who say yes to it. So, yeah, I, I hope that means go somewhere that like what should what should we be teaching people who have access to power or what should we be, what should we be teaching young people and I, that's actually an age-old question like what and how and why should we teach people and i don't think there's an answer i think it's it's just this really awesome question that has so many different layers to look at and grateful for the opportunity to pontificate about it here I um <clears throat> I really appreciated what you said um earlier about how um as a 
I guess as a global society, we are we are continuously going through this this pandemic as an initiatory or as a ceremonial experience that we, you know, seemingly at most times aren't even aren't able to even have the bandwidth to integrate. Um, and and you know, just depending on like if you are an individual, I consider myself just like a highly sensitive individual with a certain scope of awareness where I'm like, I'm seeing all these like sort of brainwashing or um, kind of gaslighty sort of campaigns or marketing messaging where it's like everybody seemingly, you know, there's a large, there's, there's a big swath of, of folks who who want to get back to so-called normal or so i guess pre-pandemic um as though that's a you know that's a a benchmark to stay at and um i think about how just for myself um this experience over the last you know was it 14 months or 18 months or 18 years i don't really know anymore but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I really, I really, uh, I really do feel like, you know, looking at, looking at myself and looking at everyone that I've, uh, you know, known uh, personally or peripherally through this collective experience, just how much um, upheaval there's been in, in several, in several forms um, that, I mean, all deserve <laughs> All those, all those points deserve, you know, more pontificating just, just on themselves. Um, but I also appreciate you talking about, uh, yeah, this, this, and you know, I, you sent me the blog post just this morning, and I, I'm unfortunate I haven't read it yet um, in preparation for this conversation. But I, I do. I'm interested in this kind of, uh, yeah, this, what is it? You, you, you termed it as, you know, Silicon Valley savior. Um, virus. It's like a, right. It's a virus in and of itself, which I wonder if it's appropriate to kind of, to, to expand on that and say, and kind of throw in like the, you know, what is it? They call it white savior complex. Mm-hmm. Or you know, I wonder if that also applies to to uh, that kind of um, that kind of persona, the savior persona. Um, what's my question though? I was like formulating a question and I can't remember right at this moment because there, I, I feel like I want to weave together a couple of you know sort of different colors of this fabric into this. Uh, um, you also mentioned like, we don't want to build more Facebooks. We don't need more Facebooks. And that made me, that struck in me this, this lovely thought that I'm going to run with for a while, um, which I'd like to, to mirror back to you, which is, um, why, you know, why, why are we as, as people, as modern people, we're so interested in, seeing these facet these aspects of other people's lives through these glowing rectangles mm-hmm. and yet 
I don't know my neighbor's name next door. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what is that phenomenon? And how did we get here? And like, where do we go? How do we, how do we wreck? I don't know. How do we create balance just between those two, that sort of disparaging, um, you know, spectrum of, of thought. And it's like, why as, as conditioned social mammals, cyborg mammals, <laughs> are we, are we investing so much interest in, you know, these very peripheral people online, which who may not even be physically around yet physically we are repulsed by the people around us. You know, we, we, we uh, look at our phones when we're standing in line at the supermarket. We don't, we don't engage in small talk or pleasantries. Um, there's, uh, there's a, I mean, this is a much deeper <laughs> uh, question, deeper inquiry, but it's, it, that's, what, that's what struck me when you said that. And it, I think it's an important question. The people, uh, I don't know if they're asking themselves or if they're even aware mm. of it. Yeah. My, my mind just wants to drill down into all the different layers of topics that one could, like if one were to write a PhD thesis on that or something, it could include hyper-individualism and the private property system and racial hierarchy constructs and scripture and um, emotional intelligence. Like there's just all these, all these things that go deeper than, oh, it's the, the economic incentives of the big tech companies. And it's all, it's all connected in, in some way or another. Like the reason why the advertising model is, oh, nah. <laughs> there's so many rabbit holes to go down. But I, I was going to see if I could try to tie it to the savior, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. the savior comment before. Yeah. Because, yeah, that was, that was really the inquiry that I had when I set out to write this piece was like, oh, shit. I actually came to a place of believing that I was going to save the world. There was a time when that, wasn't something that I believed. And then there was a time that it was. And now there's a time where it is not and is completely undesirable. But that whole arc of a journey, I think is interesting and relevant as we see a lot of these hero's journey narratives in, in media and in coaching practices and we're seeing some of the, the harm that can cause like creating a product in order to make a lot of money and feel loved or recognized. But then that product has all these harmful impacts on, on people. And back to the slowness thing, I think it's like that, that pace of urgency and move fast and break things and blitz scaling it prevents people from slowing down and being sensitive to the impact that this new creation is having to, to people and to ecology. And with, with so much momentum, it's, it's really hard to slow down. Like it, it would take a disaster 
And it, it seems like it actually does take a disaster to to get someone to pause or an organization to pause and um, reflect and and readjust, realign. So to the to the idea of like why why we prefer to be on our screens versus talk to the neighbor. I, I think it's been a slow, a slow conditioning that we can interrupt, but it's going to take some motivation and some context, some ritual. And that's actually something I started doing in the fall. I, I had this random idea of like, because yeah, I, I, whether it's wherever I'm at, I, and especially when I'm out in public, it's just so easy to be in your own little world on your screen instead of connecting with someone else or connecting with nature. Uh, this is really present for me when I'm traveling, subway or airplane, or even just walking down the street. And like, of all people, like, since I've studied this stuff for a few years, like, I should be behaving different, but I don't. But I, I choose the screen like, more often than not. So I was like, all right, I, I have to create a context for me to, to choose a different way. So I decided that I would wake up one day in New York City, walk outside, no phone, with a goal to create the most love and joy and magic for people in the world throughout the day. And then I did it again a few months later, this time with nature. How can I create the most love, magic, and joy for, for the land around me? And then on my birthday, I did it for my body. And I did these things by myself. And I wrote about them. Actually, I wrote about the people in the land, not my body, at least not yet. But they were phenomenally transformational experiences in terms of getting me out of my comfort zone, opening to emergence and synchronicity with, with my natural environment, joy, play, creativity, learning, I learned so much about myself in the process. And it was like just the act of ritualizing, like creating a holiday out of that, I think can be so powerful. And as I'm, I know I realize I'm hopping around a lot, but I, I've been taking this intro to earth-based Judaism course through an organization called Wilderness Torah. And one of the recent lectures was about how the Jewish calendar is one of the core medicines of, of the Jewish religion. We, we basically have this calendar that's synced with the, the rhythms of nature, at least in, in that part of the world, where throughout the, throughout the one year cycle and also the monthly cycle, there are holidays that have a different medicine for us, whether it's to reflect on liberation or on our ego or on nature. And it, sometimes it might not be relevant to us, but it's always relevant to the community in some form. And so it's, it's these regular reminders on the annual level and, you know, weekly Shabbat, like it's just these reminders, invitations, contexts to slow down and engage with this really important aspect of life. And let's make sure we hit all the main ones throughout the year. <laughs> and, and I think that's what a lot of, the, a lot of scripture is too. It's, it's, it's telling these stories whether or not they're true or not, they're, they're designed to, to teach us something and help us reflect on all the different aspects of ourselves. And, and I think in this, in this age of oh, so much distraction and optionality and 
complex identities, a lot of people are kind of ungrounded and, and don't have something like that to hold on to and get into a rhythm of frequently checking in with that aspect of themselves. So that's what I was not consciously trying to do with the gifting games, I call them, for, for strangers, land, and my body. But I think I'll continue to do them. And yeah, I think it's, it's things like that, which might not be as scalable as an app or lucrative, but maybe at the end of the day, have more of an impact. And like, what is it? I'm kind of frustrated that it seems like a lot of people are embracing social entrepreneurship and shifting from an idea of like big money to big impact. But I actually think the, it's the big piece that's, that's the wrong like the big piece is the folly because in pursuit of the big, you lose yourself and you lose your sensitivity to the neighbor. <laughs> like you're so, <laughs> you're so obsessed with that thing that's outside of you because you think you need to achieve it in order for that girl to finally like you or um, for your parents to approve of you or to um, get to salvation or like whatever it is. And, and I think there's, there's just so, much wisdom in like tending to your own home getting to know your neighbors getting to know the birds uh on the land that you're on getting to know the people who stewarded that land and what happened to them getting to know your own culture and what happened to it and so yeah i'm, I'm kind of on that train right now and less interested in like working on the next big thing or like winning something I, I'm trying to figure out like how can I just be of service in my corner of the world, which is now no longer just physical. There's a digital aspect to it too. Yeah. 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 Um, something that came to me as you were describing the, I mean, just focusing on like the big is, is the big, the big equals actually equals the peril. <laughs> And, mm -hmm. and what struck me in that moment was uh, looking at the example of I mean, what I perceive as the example of uh, um, what's her name, Greta, Greta Thunberg, who, mm -hmm. who I don't think she aimed, I, I feel just totally my opinion, I, I don't feel like she aimed for this global uh, ripple effect that she's, she continues to create, um, you know, totally. like she just decided I'm going to go take the sign and I'm going to commit to every Friday um, at my, what is it? I don't know how to describe it. Like her parliament, the parliament building or the, you know, the sort of local governmental, mm -hmm. um, you know, infrastructure, you know, in, in her, in her city or town. Um, and what, as a, as an example, I guess set, or as an example that people see, um, laid out and what kind of a, what kind of a, an impact that has created, um, across the globe. Um, Yeah, I, it's interesting. To, I, I, it's, it's so fascinating to hear, um, you know, that's why I'm so interested in these conversations, just to this container, 
um, just to hear what other people's thoughts are like, especially when it comes to, um, you know, being, being a person in the world who's trying to, you know, again, make, make a positive impact, perhaps not at scale or aiming for big, but just, just being a, being a good person or being a mensch. (laughs) And, uh, and when you brought up um, Judaism, it actually, it, it really illuminated for me, my own absenteeism with my connection to, to Judaism, because um, Mm -hmm. that's most, mostly through like family, family trauma and Mm -hmm. family shenanigans and uh, having been born in the state of Israel, but having been Mm -hmm. raised here in California, here in Los Angeles, um, it's something I've never really spoken about, at least on this on this platform on the show and and given the you know the recent the, i guess the the patterning of of recent events um in that corner of the globe uh it makes me want to be a little bit more uh transparent and vulnerable about that mm-hmm. um so i appreciate you mentioning that likewise um yeah, I, 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 you know, I've been looking at, I, I didn't, I really did not think we would go, <laughs> go there in this conversation, but I'm, I'm game, you know, to go to hang out there, you know, if you are, um, but, you know, I've, sure. I looked at, I look, I've been looking, I've been, I've been, I've been purpose, purposely silent looking at the, you know, sort of the geopolitical volleyball that goes on over there. And then seeing this sort of, I guess, mass media or social media response and how today it's remarkably, it's a remarkable departure from uh, the sort of overall pattern of, of what, how people respond to, to, uh, the events that unfold there and and then becoming aware of of um a lot more anti-semitism which has obviously been uh has been an ongoing trend um especially with the previous administration we had here um it makes me feel really sad Overall, it just makes me feel really, really sad because on the one hand, it's, you know, it's so convenient or hyper convenient to, to abstract anything on social media. You know, when a hashtag becomes a slogan, but it's immediately, uh, sort of peeled away from the people, the place, the culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it, be- it becomes so loud that there's, there's no room for nuance. There's no room for, you know, people actually speaking to each other. Um, which is, you know, really one of, one of the, se- seemingly one of the big, biggest 
ails to to I guess the region itself. I mean, I've 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 been back. Uh, most recently was like seven seven or eight years ago. Um, I spent like three weeks in uh, Jerusalem and. Um, I got to experience a, you know, once a century snowstorm, mm. which was really epic. I got to go into uh, um, Bethlehem for the first time on like Christmas Eve for midnight mass. I mean, it was pretty, uh, pretty epic. Um, and, and I, I, and again, I, I, I want to, Try and unpack that sadness for a moment, because um, I feel like I don't know if it's in defense of, and obviously you know it, it's you, you know you don't really have to to scratch very hard beneath the surface to see that you know as a I guess as a as a struggling um, government struggling by way of what is it? I mean, there've been four elections in Israel in the last two years, uh, seemingly three of those elections or two of them have been in this pandemic. Um, and, and uh, you know, the staunchly, the, the staunch, uh, you know, uh, prime minister Netanyahu uh, cannot form like a majority government or majority coalition. And um, that's something to look at. That's just something really fascinating to look at. And again, as a feature of democracy. Um, but aside from that, um, I feel like I, and again, I'm sorry, I'm like, I feel like I'm taking significant space in this conversation just for this topic, but. Please, please. I, I, I get, I, I get particularly sad and I, I tend to like get really sort of, I go kind of quiet and, and really internal when um, I think about um, uh, the people who are, who are running Gaza, you know, Hamas, who in some, I guess in some form have were publicly elected. Uh, but, you know, given the research uh, that's out there, and I guess they're with their own wording themselves. I mean, you can read the, the Hamas charter online. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not a Uh, it's not a pretty picture and, and not only for Israeli citizens or the state of Israel, but to, to, from, you know, from what I gather also to the, the population living in Gaza. Mm. Um, so once that gets really um, buried deep under like, beneath just the rhetoric of, again, hashtags and, you know, that's when I just, I am in this state of bewilderment. 
And I focus, I say bewilderment more than shock, but I, I, I focus on bewilderment and I just, I can't engage in any conversations because the conversations are hyper polarized. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it is not a, it's not a uh, safe or inclusive or nuanced space to be in. I mean, the only space I've um, spent a little bit of time in, which has been impactful, has been um, there's this. I, I, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, there is a room on Clubhouse called "Meet Palestinians and Israelis." Oh yeah, I have been there the other day. Yeah, yeah, that that's been ongoing this whole time, um, which has been amazing to to uh to engage in some active listening and um again just as a space for nuance uh, a space for stories as opposed to politics um and so yeah i thanks for letting me share about that um thank you I, I, yeah, I don't feel like I'm I'm sharing it because I want like any particular solution. I feel like I just want uh, um, yeah, I feel like I just want more humanity. Mm. There is such a thing at this point. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I, I acknowledge your sadness and the vulnerability to share what's alive for you. Yeah, it's it sucks all around. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I don't, I don't have like an analysis or a bunch of sound yeah. bites that I, I feel inspired to throw in. But yeah, and in, in hearing you talk about um, well, I'm just appreciating the the way that stories can be weaponized on all levels, like the social media level and political documents and charters and announcements and religious documents, scripture. And maybe the, the thing I wanna say, which, which I, I'm writing about in, in, in other essays is how history can be medicine and it can be poison. Yeah. Or, or, or omitting history, you know, beneath the sort of blanket of, again, of, of other stories or of uh, mm -hmm. op opinions and, and, you know, disinfo, misinfo. Um, that's, yeah, that's something to also mention as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm reminded there's a quote. Uh, Indigenous man, Lewis Mel Madrona. It's all stories. What's left when you die? The stories you told that keep being told, and the stories people tell about you. And he, he's talking about for an individual, but I imagine that can be applied to the organizational, the collective. Mm. And so I think we're. You know, we're, we're inheriting stories, we're living stories, we're telling stories, we're not telling stories. There's, there's so much 
power in words. Words are spells, words create worlds. And the digital communication medium is, is, is powerful in amplifying stories and, and something's also lost uh, mm. with that, which is what you're pointing to, the nuance and the, the humanity. And so I think, I th- and I th- so I think it's balanced. I don't think we need to get rid of broadcast social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think we, we need to create more, more settings where people can come together and share stories, especially people who don't look like each other, who might see the other person as other. And I'm aware there's actually been a lot of interesting research on bringing Israeli and Palestinian people together for ceremonial experiences yeah. where they can really see and hear each other. And, you know, that's just, that's just not going to happen by itself. Like we, we live with the legacies of redlining and segregation mm-hmm. of neighborhoods and of, um, yeah, just like really powerful stories telling us that the other is scary. So I think those of us who uh, are aware that we want something different, we need to be courageous or we have the invitation to be courageous and talk to the person uh, on the bus or uh, share vulnerably on social media, how we're feeling about something like get, get out of the, the head analysis a little bit and just be like, Hey, like I feel really sad about what's going on and I actually don't really know what to do about it, but I, I, this is what's true for me. This is what I have to say right now. And that might invite conversation with, yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, that's what I'm feeling right now. Mm. I'm in 100% agreement. I, uh, <laughs> I would, I would occasionally. I mean, okay. I mean, I say occasionally as I reflect on, on, um, you know, it's yeah. It sounds like we're around the same age and. And those of us who are who are at this age of what I just <laughs> I just saw um, as a as a meme of like we are apparently the geriatric millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, oh boy, yeah. And um, but of course, and the meme was actually was was presented as a positive. Like, well, actually, you know, geriatric millennials, aka people born between 1980 and 85, are going to be the best uh sort of in managerial uh or custodial positions in this post-pandemic hybrid work reality we're we're being thrust into which that's i mean we don't i don't want to touch that right now (laughs) but but the thing that i uh appreciate in speaking to you and getting to know you in this conversation and i so look forward to um you know bookmarking this and continuing like soon and maybe we can do it on like a some kind of i'd love to make it a regular i always say to every guest like you know please come back let's talk about Mm. let's let's share stories you know after you know a month or a few months to just see like what's what's going on and just to be able to reflect on that and and to create regularity around that and and um just to really circle back to what you were saying in the beginning of this conversation about about slowing down and, and really unplugging and, 
you know, the, the, the visual of Mount Shasta and yurt and fires and walking in the woods. Hmm. I think it's important for, for us, hopefully for, for most of us, if not all of us to realize that, you know, if in a, in a, in a hypothetical disaster situation of like satellites stop working, there's no internet. What do you do? Well, that's when your people skills <laughs> and your and your compassion for you know strangers and neighbors becomes your becomes the value the sort of the cultural cultural value that that becomes very real you know and, and if we don't have these glowing rectangles to rely on then we have stories mm-hmm. we have traditions we have our spontaneity and our creativity we have we have poetry and music we have i have I have tea and I love sharing tea mm-hmm. and I really appreciate the, the opportunity to be a Israeli born, uh, you know, Sephardic, uh, you know, white presenting male who lives, who was raised in this culture of California. And I get to, I get to share my joy in uh, Chinese and Taiwanese tea culture, you know, as, as a foreigner. And, and I get to, I get to keep making an homage to that culture being, you know, being not being of it, but being, but being uh, appreciative and and loving it in my own way. And, um, And to know again, just to know that that deep down that we have we have stories and we have our communication skills and our relationships and we have like books and things that are really deep deep down. Those are I think the most important things. Subjectively, those are the most important things that we have. You know, our, our connections to nature. And so I, again, I really appreciate the time spent with you. Um, and. Uh, I really, really look forward to to the next opportunity to do so. Likewise, yeah, I'm down down to do it again. Thank you. And just to respond to that final comment, yeah, yay multiculturalism, um, yay reconnecting with with our ancestry, our lineage. I actually gave a I gave a talk to an undergrad equity, diversity, inclusion group. Few weeks ago, and I wasn't actually sure what I was going to say. Well, I have to add this conversation, but I've been thinking more about ancestry and Judaism and learning the stories of my great grandparents and the places they came from. And I was just really struck with this idea that and it's not my idea. I think I, I'm inspired by other people who shared similar things before. For me, how our, our, uh, our people had a culture that lived in greater harmony with nature, each other, themselves, spirit, God, creator, et cetera, and lost that. And mm. I think it's a really healing, eye-opening journey to understand what that culture was and then how it was lost over over the generations, whether through assimilation, genocide, white supremacy, material, Western capitalism, whatever, like 
I think that that grounding in tradition can be can be really healthy spiritually and materially as it might help provide a sense of purpose and and greater alignment with with one's work in the world. So I just wanted to to, to leave that as my uh, ending comments. Beautiful. Thank you. Cheers. Talk soon. Thanks so much, Andrew.